0: From Savona Church in Port St. Lucie, here are your hosts, Mike Schmidt and Gary Jones. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning and welcome Good morning, to and Christians. Welcome Thanks so much, Christians. much for tuning Thanks. into the show today. As always, we really appreciate it and glad you're able to be with us this Sunday morning. We'll be with you for the next hour here on, we are just, on WPSL, We Are Just Christians, is a live call-in show. And as usual, in just a moment, I'm going to be giving you the numbers to... Reach us here if you'd like to have a conversation with us. Gary and I always have a couple things we prepare to talk about, uh, but we're always more than welcoming of your calls and comments on any other subject you might have in mind of a spiritual nature or whatever else is on your mind. If you want to call and talk about how lousy the show is or whatever, that's fine with us too. We we would probably appreciate that. So let me give you the numbers. You can reach us several ways here on We Are Just Christian. By the way, how are you doing, Gary? I'm doing fine this morning, Mike. Gary and I have been working together on this show for years and years now, and so uh, uh, we're glad that we are able to be with you by God's grace and generosity of the church here on every Sunday morning. But you can reach us several ways. The the easiest and best way for the show is as a call-in, a live call-in to WPSL. It's the regular WPSL call-in number, 772-340-1590. 772-340-1590 772 is the call in number and we'll take your call we make a couple of statements about that just so you know the, the ground rules we don't mind you disagreeing with us at all we might disagree with you before it's over but we're not going to have some kind of an argument we don't say things on this show just to get a response or to get people excited then embarrass them that's not the point of this we're going to have a discussion about an important thing spiritual things things that are on your mind And we'll give you the last word, especially if there's any kind of a disagreement. We're going to give you the last word if you call in. So I hope you'll feel free to do that Uh, and understand something. You may think that your comment or question is unimportant or small, but it, it really isn't because most people have the same kinds of thoughts. Or you bring up something brand new they hadn't thought about before, and that's really educational and interesting for everybody. So feel free to give us a call. You can also text message us. Gary and I have different text numbers. They're close to each other, but you're uh, certainly welcome to text us during the show if we can respond in some way, we will, or you can text us any time during the week. Mike's text number, that's me, is 772-260-6120, 772-260-6120, and Gary's number is 772-260-6220, 772-260-6220. You know, it's kind of unfortunate, Gary. I know you get, uh, we both work together and have worked together as elders in this church for years and years. We don't always see uh, perfectly eye to eye on every subject. And so poor Gary gets stuck with some of my outlandish uh, opinions and views on things. But uh, if you want to text him to commiserate with him or whatever, feel free to do that or me, either one. Also can reach us by email at at net like the show justchristians at att.net and we'll be glad to uh, take your email sometimes we use those in another show or we formulate a show around that with your permission and that'd be great to receive an email we do that sometimes uh, here on the show a little bit later on i'm going to give you some other ways to listen to the show to tell your friends about the show if you'd like to do that and we really appreciate that if you would because you can listen, they can listen live to the show all over the country or they can listen to recordings of the show uh, at their convenience in a podcast. Either way, of course, is perfectly fine. Well, we uh, are glad to be with you on this uh, winter morning, as they say in Florida. What is it, 65 <laughs> or 70 degrees in the winter? And uh, I hear they had more snow in parts of the northeast in one day this past week, Gary, than they had all last year. Oh really. And I just wonder all those uh, <clears throat> newscasters and commentators bemoaning the end of snow and winter has disappeared last year. I wonder if they're seeing if they're acknowledging their error this year. What do you think the odds of that are?
1: Uh not very not good. Not very
0: good that they would acknowledge that they that they always overdo things and and mix up weather for climate, but that's another whole issue. Humans are bound to do that. We just, love to, we just love to live in unprecedented times because if something is unprecedented, Gary, that's the word of the year. Do they have a word of the year for 2020? If it is, it's unprecedented. And oh, what yeah. that is is the excuse for people to do whatever they want to do because, after all, it's an unprecedented time. And so since it's unprecedented, there's, the rules are thrown out. You can do whatever you want. Politicians love that. Uh, doctors love that uh, you know g- common people love that newscasters writers all kind of people they just love that word unprecedented because all the norms are tossed aside and we can do whatever we want and uh, but i'll
1: have to admit mike it seems to have gotten a lot worse in the last say 3 or 4 decades and it has well everything
0: been. is unprecedented to the people today right. because we because they're trying to alter reality to suit themselves and therefore, everything has to be unprecedented. There's no such thing as reality, and so you know, a hard truth of the world is like this. And so, therefore, it all everything has to be unprecedented. And I remember as a teenager thinking, no one's ever had it as hard as me before. Yeah, you know, how foolish, how foolish was I to think that? And and of course, I was wrong about that. And yet, young people today, I got teenage grandkids. They they think the same way. Nothing's ever been this bad before, but we're just not. It's just we're just not right about that. We're not correct about that, and yet it it forms the basis of a lot of things in modern culture and society. Well, I got two or three things uh, we can talk about today. I don't know whether to go with something uh, you know serious. We had a, a, had some calls and comments over the last month and we have had them in the past about the text of the New Testament but uh, Rand a couple before we do that though let me I'm going to run a couple other things by you Gary if that's okay um, go right th- ahead that I pulled out of the things here just interesting um, to me uh, one of them is the communist Chinese party you know is in the business of destroying any kind of orthodox Christianity in China making it a Chinese gospel Chinese Christianity si- They call it sinicizing it, uh, after the old word for China. And um, the churches that can meet openly in China, so-called Christian churches, all have to uh, bow to the state and teach only orthodox things that the state agencies approve of. We're headed that way in the United States very clearly, that the only kind of approved religions will be those in which the politically correct crowd will give some kind of stamp of approval on. But here it says, this is from September, so it's been a while. <clears throat> it says the Chinese Communist Party portrays Jesus as a sinner and a killer in a new textbook. The biblical story found in the Gospel of John where Jesus saves the woman caught in adultery now has a new ending in a Chinese textbook. It says that, you know, this text basically, here's what it says. Uh, when the crowd disappeared, Jesus stoned the sinner to death, saying, I, too, am a sinner, but if the law could only be executed by men without blemish, the law would be dead. Now, of course, as you know in the text in the Bible, they catch this woman in adultery, they bring her to Jesus. Of course, they don't bring the man, which the law required. whole big thing about this, this is one of the most controversial texts of the New Testament. They bring this woman to Jesus and say, What do you think should happen to her? Moses said she should be stoned. What do you think should happen to her? And so he stoops and writes on the ground, and then he stands up and says, He who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And it said one by one they all kind of went away. And then Jesus looked at the woman and said something like, uh, Does no man condemn you? And she said, No man, Lord. And he says, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. That's the Bible text. And it's been a controversial text what the meaning of it is, and we can explain that text. But it certainly doesn't end the way the Chinese say it ends, that Jesus picked up stones and killed her himself, one-on-one killed her, and said, even though I'm a sinner, which Jesus is not a sinner, even though I'm a sinner, you can't break the law and get away with it. So this is this fits the Chinese view of governmental power. And so uh, the Chinese uh, uh, have changed the textbook. Now, of course, some of the, some of the Christian religious Christians in, in China object to this, but it certainly isn't going to change anybody's mind in, in the Chinese government about what should be put out there.
1: Well, while you were saying that. I was just thinking about the Hebrews chapter 4 passage. We're talking about Jesus. It says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was, it, was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Right, uh, I mean, it even goes directly. Wonder if they addressed that scripture as well as the the uh, woman caught in adultery.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, it, that, it, they're, that that textbook they're rewriting a Chinese version of the New Testament or of the Bible, of course, which will only have stories and maxims that fit the Chinese view of the world. Meet, read communist view of the world. Yes, right. as well as Chinese culturally ch- cultural view of the world, but uh, now that's a it is a controversial story uh, in the Bible has been for centuries as to what the meaning of it is. Some say it means Jesus would never never support you know the death penalty, which he did. He told Pilate, "If I've done wrong, you have the right to execute me, but I've done no wrong." You see, so uh, there's a lot of lot of different ways that stories looked at, but to simply change it to say, "Well," Jesus is a sinner. And so he says, I'll stone you even though other people won't. I've got the courage to stone you myself individually. And of course, that was never the point of capital punishment. But um, expect this same kind of thing to go on in the United States where the approved churches will accept certain interpretations like uh, that the gospel teaches that transsexual behavior and homosexual behavior okay and you know you got to have the approved religious texts interpreted the proper way to meet governmental standards before you're going to be able to be a real church in the United States this is this is an actual this is an actual uh, thing Uh, what am I trying to say Uh, eventuality as we say we're at the beginning stages of this now everything is set up for this and it won't be very long until most people will bow down to this and say yes. Uh, you, you, and that's part of what the part of what this business about churches being shut down is that they can shut down churches who don't do what certain government officials say about different things. And and it's just leading up to the conditioning the public to the idea that yes, the all the churches have to do what the government says or else. And so it, it may be one thing if you're applying it to a virus. It's going to be quite something else when it's applied to a lot of other issues, which, of course, you can expect it to be. Well, anyway, another story. Here's a, here's a um, mega church pastor, as they call them, from the church, Hillsong Church in New York City. I've heard of this guy before, Carl Lentz. This is from earlier in, in December. <clears throat> Carl Lentz is the fellow a few, couple, three or four years ago who baptized Justin Bieber in a bathtub in New York City and received a lot of publicity about that. And apparently Justin Bieber Bieber has uh, has really changed his lifestyle as a result of what he would call his conversion to Christ. And this guy Carl Lentz, had a hand in that apparently. But now as the leader of this big mega church in New York City, he's a celebrity pastor they would call him because he he's got a lot of tattoos, wears fancy hairstyles, always has the latest kind of clothing on hip clothing, preaches in skinny jeans and T-shirts and different kind of brand name stuff. V- very flamboyant as a celebrity pastor. Very hip, Gary. Kind of like you, you know. <laughs> yes. And uh, anyway, he was recently that fired. sarcasm
1: for those of yeah, you who are he, listening that don't know. He was know
0: recently us. fired. I- I'm about as hip as we get around here, and that ain't very good much. But uh, uh, <laughs> Gary won't even wear a pink shirt. But... It, <laughs> But in any event, um, Carl Lentz was fired recently for, uh, I guess, either an affair or multiple affairs, I think, and some and some other things, and uh, caused quite a stir. Of course, some people in that church at Hillsong are, ha- hate this because they love their celebrity pastor. Others think it's justified. But he he's won in a long line in the last few years of these kinds of fellows and women, celebrity pastors, who have been caught up in adulterous affairs, sexual misconduct of various kinds with, their, with the people that work at the churches, with the members, uh, oftentimes going along with financial problems. It's, it's an age-old story. And so then there's these articles in these uh, Christian blogs like churchleaders.com and some other places that uh, <clears throat> here, here's one I thought this was funny. Not funny. Peculiar. Peculiar. Okay, former Hillsong pastor Carl Lentz is reportedly entering into an outpatient treatment program for depression, anxiety, and pastoral burnout. Lentz was fired from his position at Hillsong's New York City's campus in November for moral failures and leadership issues. And he goes on to talk about admitting his infidelity and this, that, and the others. Well, it's so just something
1: there. I just wondered what pastoral burnout is.
0: Oh, I've, I'm sure I've had that, or maybe I'm living in that. Well, it's where it's where when you take on so much celebrity status and so much power in a church that you're responsible for everything that happens, and they willingly take this on because of their humongous, outsized ego, that eventually they get burned out on the amount of work that has to be done and the pressure on them in this, the pressure to be perfect and all the other stuff, and it's, it, you get burned out on it. Now the question it, in the modern mind is what this headline is trying to say in my view in this article what he's doing what this fellow is doing with this is he is trying to uh, say that the reason that I committed adultery against my wife of many years and the reason that I mistreated people working for me in this church is because I was depressed and I was anxious. I had anxiety. And I was depressed. And that's what caused my... and my, I was burnt out as a pastor. And that's what caused my sin. Not the fact, as I see it, that his pride caused the adultery, the other indiscretions, the bad treatment of other people, and all that. That was what happened because of his pride. And then when he got caught in that, then he gets depressed. And anxious, right? And burned out. So, which came first, the chicken or the egg? In this case, well, I believe human human behavior tells me that the sin and the pride and the sin come first, and then the depression follows, along right after that. And uh, this has happened. So I mean, we just got a, a text, and the same thing happened to Jimmy Swagger, and it did it happens to a lot of these people because they they take on more than an evangelist or anyone a pastor if they're even not even biblical pastors is supposed to do and it's built on their ego and i know i know that's hard to admit for some of them but it's obvious to many of the rest of us and i'm not saying this because i'm jealous of this man his ability you can think what you want to about that um it's it's not that it's having known something about this experientially and the and the really the important thing for most christians understand here is that depression and those kind of things, they lead to sin, but sometimes they are the result of sin, not the cause of the sin per se. So this fellow was sinning because of his own pride, and then he became depressed. And I'll give you the biblical example, Gary. We've talked about this before in Genesis chapter four. Here's Cain and Abel, and uh, uh, they got there, there are these two boys, uh, Abel. Offers um, sheep from his, from the from his flock to the Lord. Cain offers fruit of the ground from his field to the Lord. The Lord was pleased with the offering of Abel because apparently God had told him to o- them to offer from the flocks. He wasn't pleased with the other young man's offering, and so Cain became very angry. Verse five. But God did not respect Cain and his offering, and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. The countenance is an old way of saying his face fell. His bearing, his appearance fell. He was depressed, we would say, in modern language. And there's a lot of commentators who say that's exactly what he's talking about. The bearing, the countenance, the mood, the, everything about this man fell. That's what depression is, depression. And so the Lord said to Cain after he became depressed, why did he become depressed? Well, he, he came depressed because God did not accept his offerings. So here's what God says, verse 6. Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? Why are you depressed? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. So God says, God's view of this was that the sin came first, then the depression came. I'd go back a step further, although it doesn't say this in the text. Cain's pride that he was going to offer to God what he wanted to offer to God. Not what God had told him to offer, which was the flock, but what he wanted to offer, and when God rejected that, he became angry and depressed, and God said, be careful, you're going to sin even more when you stay depressed like this, and sure enough, so, but, but what did he say? You rule over it. Cain had control over how he responded to what God said, how I responded to his own failures. He had control over that. He wasn't being pushed some way in some fashion he could not control. And so it's like the time I was dealing with a fellow that was, uh, I had already confronted about sexual abuse, sexual molestation. Confronted him on one day with some other fellows and told him We're going to have to straighten this out and figure what and talk to him more about this. What was going on? And and uh, he denied everything, of course, that day and acted like he didn't know what what I was talking about. Well, the next day, when I went to find him, he had checked himself into the mental hospital in town and was suffering from guess what? Depression. Depression and anxiety, the very things that this fellow says he was suffering from. Well, it's, it's something we lose sight do you th- of. Oh, wait, do you think he told the psychiatrist what the problem well, was? was? No, I told them what it was he <laughs> didn't tell them, that's for sure. Anyway, go ahead, Gary.
1: Well, basically I think what we're losing sight of and what we've lost sight of a lot of times, especially it leads to problems in the church, it leads to problems interpreting the Scripture, it leads to problems that involve those things, is that very thing, is pride and we lose sight of the fact that we need to be that we are really servants we are servants of God and of men that's what Christians are supposed to be right we are we are to be servants paul opens the letter to the romans and among, and other letters paul says i paul a bond servant of jesus christ called to be an apostle separated to the gospel of god that word bond servant there means basically someone that that's a bought and paid for slave Yes. yes, that is a bought-and-paid-for slave. Now, obviously, Paul was voluntarily, a volunteer, to be sure, but still, Christians he are bought. He felt
0: compelled because God had given him grace and saved him.
1: Right. Basically, we are all bought-and-paid-for slaves of God, of Jesus Christ. Like I said, voluntarily, to be sure, but still bought-and-paid-for, bought-and-paid-for right. with his blood. And And exactly. once we realize that our attitude towards ourself becomes different uh... It, it's it's hard to to understand the, the examples of that 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 are given to us one of the primary examples of that is king josiah uh... when he discovered basically that they weren't keeping the law that they had just discovered the word of god had been lost for some years and he determined that they hadn't been keeping it and what he did was he basically he, he cried and tore his clothes and God said to him because you have humbled yourself when you heard the, his words against this place and against its inhabitants and you humbled yourself before me and you tore your clothes and wept before me I also have heard what you said God God looks for our heart in terms of humility he looks for us in terms of what he wants us to do in terms of keeping his word and what we don't realize about his word, Mike, and I guess I'm going a little bit out on a limb here because this is my one, at least partly my view. His word, if we practice it, would make this world so much better a place.
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh,
1: it, it just it's it's too our there end. would
0: still be problems and difficulties, but it would be certainly a place it would be easier to solve the difficulties if people had respect for god's word that's absolutely and
1: and and basically in the long run it's better for us to keep his word if we would just do it but we 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 lose sight of that we keep coming back to this idea of me and what's good for me and what i want and and you and i have talked about this many times probably even on this show that this this idea that's prevalent in our society about follow your heart is all about you, not about serving God about or pride. about serving other people. Right.
0: We preached a whole series of sermons the last couple of months, uh, to some people's chagrin, I suppose, on sober thinking. You can get those at wearejustchristians.com. dot com. But the base of that is human pride is the problem, not low self esteem, and and that's what leads us down these dark roads. And so when you see the, the, this fellow wants to say, "Well, I was burnt out." And anxious, and that's why I had affairs and broke my marriage vows and did a bunch of other things. That, there could be some element of truth in that once you cross certain boundaries, other boundaries are easier to cross, right? right. Once you cross a few, the other ones are easy to go, to go across. But it's not an accident that all through the Bible we see uh, sexual sin and pride linked together, as well as all kind of other violent sins get linked together. Because when a man is lifted up with pride and we've got a whole gangster culture in our, in our society it has been here for a long time uh, that's, that's a, that commits violent actions, sexual sins based on ego and pride, whole genres of music are dedicated to this idea. This is completely against God's will and then when you get in a position like this fellow you see you don't get to a position of being a mega church pastor of 10,000 people by accident gary <clears throat> it isn't just that you kind of against your will you get shoved into this position and you're kicking and screaming and fighting all the way to resist being put in this position of being the senior pa- pastor at a mega church and having and being of celebrity status and having to have certain kind of pedicures and manicures and haircut stylists by expensive people, drive expensive cars, have to have the, <coughs> pardon me, the latest expensive clothes, most stylish name brands. Make sure you wear those in public and out on in the pulpit. You don't get in that position by accident. You willingly walk down that road and all the way along that pathway you're being flattered by people all around you. The ego is there to start with, and then right. the position feeds the ego more and more. And if you just go look in the book of Proverbs, God warns you deliver, to, be, to deliver yourself from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words, to uh, keep you from the flattering tongue of a seductress, he says in Proverbs 6.25. This is just from the book of, from the book of Proverbs. And uh, she said, uh, Proverbs 20, uh, Proverbs 20, verse 19 says, He who goes about as a tailbearer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with one who flatters with his lips. This flattery is all the compliments you receive all day long about how wonderful you, wonderful you are, Pastor Lentz, how wonderful you are, uh, Brother Mike, you know, you get all the flattery. And that will pull you away from simplicity and sober thinking. And pretty soon it won't be a problem for you to be seduced by an immoral woman or for you to seduce her because you're so proud. Leave the vows of your, that you made to your wife and other people.
1: Well, those things just make it easier, at least in my view, Mike. Those things just make it easier for us to do what we wanted to do in the first place.
0: Yes, they do, and that's, that's right. It's what doing, this is all about doing what you want. That's what pride says. I can do what I want.
1: That, that just makes it easier for you to do what you wanted to do in the first place. I keep going back to one of my favorite psalms. It's Psalm 15, and it lists a bunch of things. that. In, in Psalm 15, he says, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle and who may abide in your holy hill? Basically, he's saying is who is going to live with God? We would say today who is saved, but who is going to live with God? Who is going to avoid God's wrath in the end? And be part of God's life in the hereafter this right. this is who this is what he's talking about here in this psalm. he says, "He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. Now that last line, if you speak the truth in your heart, you won't have trouble with your mouth. you' right that's that's one of the things that I keep saying, and that's one of the problems we have today is truth uh, in the news, in the media, in everywhere we go where's truth it's hard to find in verse 3 he says and he who does not backbite with his tongue nor does evil to his neighbor nor does he reproach does he take up a reproach against his friend i look at the reproaches in the media in the news media they just they they down everybody that they don't agree with it's it's the same thing here and and we do it individually well, there's pride too. In, every, in
0: every line of work or, there's, there's pride, pride. OK,
1: in that verse in verse four, he says, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but who he but he honors those who fear the Lord. Basically, that vile person despises someone looked down upon. We we don't look down upon anymore upon the evil person. Right. As a matter of fact, a lot of times we elevate them. Right. And, and that's what's going on in the world today right now. And here's one that's that's so important. He who swears to his own hurt and does not change. Basically, he's he's saying, if you promise to do something and turns out it's not really good for you, what should you do? Keep your promise.
0: Sure, but a prou- yeah. proud person won't do that. Can't do that. And, he's not and humble so, enough to do that.
1: So we're seeing those things. And he who does not put out his money at usury, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent, bribery is rampant in our. You know, our government I'm, I perceive is as bad as any of the. Uh, the dictatorships in third world countries, it's gotten so bad that we're, we're no better than they are anymore in our government because bribes are prevalent.
0: Well, Yes, the, the law itself is disrespected. The law is just so, a tool to use to get what you want. So
1: basically, the first thing that went was God's law, and now our own statutes are going to one side. Yeah, and no that's betrayal. what happens. When you, when you put away God, you put away everything.
0: We had a text from uh, John saying... Politics and churches seem to attract narcissistic people because they like to control people. And, and I think that's right. That's not to say all of them are. But whenever you have, my, one of my things I quote all the time, Gary, Jesus said about Jerusalem, where the, where the carcass is, the the vultures will be gathered together. You see a bunch of vultures circling in the air. You know that below them is a carcass. Or when you see a bunch of buzzards on the side of the road all gathered up in a huddle, there's, a dead, there's dead meat there. And so when you put power and money in one place, like in a big church and a, a position of a senior pastor, and when you put it in government in one place like Washington or Tallahassee and give them extreme amounts of money and power, what are you going to get? You're going to get not bluebirds. You're going to get vultures. And that's what that's what goes on everywhere, has for all time, and so he says he says, how about David? And this is exactly the right kind of example. David was a good a good man in the Bible, but there was a point in his own life when he was uh, time of the kings to go out to war. He's up on his eyes, sees this woman, gets caught up in the affair with Bathsheba. He could have ended that any time he wanted to. He could have, when soon as he realized she was a married woman, turned her away and. And, and went on about his business. He had more than heart could wish already. But David's pride would not let him do that, and so then he ends up killing somebody, and his whole family ends up being destroyed because... Do you think the letters of the Psalms represent the fact that David became anxious and depressed, Gary, when you read Psalm 51? So it's hard to I'm picture just a just more just depressed a man, man than David once he realized what he had done. So, yes, which came first, the depression or the sin or the pride? And it says, uh, he he goes on to say that I said to him back, power and pride often lead to sexual sin, which is what we see in the Bible. These false teachers who lifted themselves up were guilty of lasciviousness.
1: But because he was king and he was used to doing whatever he wanted, it made him. E- it made it much easier for him to do
0: what he wanted with right. Bathsheba. Now, now the warning about this is is uh, manifold. Not just to say, "Well, I'm not a. I'm not, I'm going to condemn these megachurch pastors or kings or politicians." Yeah, yeah, that's true. We ought to be aware and watch for that. But uh, and we ought, to, especially in religion, be aware of men or teachers, even and women teachers who are always trying to accumulate disciples to themselves and who are lifted up with a kind of ego and pride to stand out above others, that wear the different titles proudly. And we're going to talk about in our sermon this morning about different titles that people wear religiously and what the Bible says about that. But we ought to be aware of that. But this also applies down, down to the lower levels, as it were, down to the common man who is lord of his little department at work, And mistreats people and thinks he can sexually um, uh, abuse women at work because he has some kind of power. Uh, And it goes on and on and on. Some men get this way about their family. They're the head of their house. And so they mistreat their wife and children and think that they have the power to do whatever they want to do because they have this title or this authority. And we need to be aware of that. All of us are guilty of pride in various ways. It manifests itself differently in different people and situations. But I also want you not to confuse the cause with the effect. It really becomes a cycle. Pride leads to sin. Sin can lead to depression, burnout, or anxiety. Being, being depressed, anxious, or burned out can lead you to more sin. If you don't stop right there, and like God told Cain, Rule over it. If you don't stop it right there, it'll lead to greater sin. David's sin of committing adultery with Bathsheba led to him then, instead of acknowledging that and ba- backing away, led to him having her husband put to death. So so there, it just compounded itself. And I think that sin was worse to God than the other sin. I think that's what he was punished for uh, uh, to some degree. Well,
1: one of the things I'd like to comment about is, is basically... In, in some ways, we get the idea that these people are attracted to the church. And in some ways, they are. But I want to point out that they are not really of the church. Uh, one of the phrases that comes to mind is at the end of Zechariah, Mike, where he says, talking about the Messiah and his kingdom, he says, in that day, there shall no longer be a Canaanite in the house of the Lord of hosts.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And basically, here uh-huh. was uh, here was Israel who was a physical nation and we have the church basically we're, we're still living in a physical arena and he's saying there's no longer a canaanite in the house of the lord how are you going to keep the canaanites out of something that's physical you can't but in the church basically you can those people are not part of the church they're not part of god's people because God does the admitting into those into that arena, and He admits those people who are humble and who keep His word. He does not admit the prideful and the people that want to basically take right. advantage of it. Right. John, but we is, we need to make that distinction when we talk about right. the church. Right.
0: Well, they're, yes, there 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 are uh, phony proud people everywhere, but not and not not all of it is in churches, and some some mistakes are made. Uh, out of weakness and inadvertently and they they're acknowledged and repented of others are a continuing pattern of behavior in a person. And that's what goes on in these situations. J- uh John texted in 1 Corinthians 10:12 which says let let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Which is the point when you think you're doing your best you need to be aware that you can fall when you think you're doing uh doing the best and everybody loves you. Um not everybody I think a couple other people will read this whole article here. I'm going to move on to something else, Gary, but not everybody falls for this. Uh, I think it's uh, Boz Chavidian I can't say his name. he's the, the grandson of Billy graham i don't don't know much about him. He's an attorney who specializes in cases of sexual abuse in churches. He addressed this development in Lynz's story this way. He said, another pastor exploiting his position and power to perpetrate sexual misconduct." And when caught, claims that he's the victim due to depression, anxiety, and pastoral burnout. More most most troubling, he says, is that many will embrace this ridiculous, false narrative. And um, I think that's about right. And and of course, then you have the more progressive or liberal um, people posting other celebrities. On some ways, posting and other. I'm not sure there's any grand lesson from the Carl Lentz story. The trappings of cool church are there for sure, but rural Bible thumpers commit adultery too. So since they commit adultery, it's good. It's okay. They miss the whole point. Prosperity doctrine is bad, but reformed guys get disqualified too, of course. And I don't think anybody's saying it's a matter of just because you're cool, this happened. But the cool church people are promoting a kind of celebrity status that leads down this road. But you know, you can be a missionary Baptist preacher in some rural place, and in that little town, you can be the celebrity. Gary, when I, I moved from when I was in my late thirties, I moved to Illinois, small town Illinois, from Tampa, and I went up there to this small town, and I found out when I got there that I was already a celebrity because there was five or six churches in town, and I was the new quote pastor. At the Church of Christ in this little town, everywhere I went, oh, you're the new, you're the new pastor, so and so, and they all wanted to meet me. People they knew who I was. I knew I was coming from Florida, real exotic, you know, this little small town there. And so I could have been a big fish in a little pond, you see, and and had some status there in that town. I was just I was just shocked in that in that little part of Illinois that the common people still considered people who were preachers or they, what they called pastors, had any kind of uh, standing at all because in Tampa, another place in Florida, uh, you're, we're down on because we have that position because people say you're a crook and a womanizer. Okay. But it can happen to anybody. That's the whole point about this. It can happen to all of us when we get lifted up with pride. and and But I just want to, when you see this kind of thing going on in a church, when you see this kind of pride and being li- lifted up, By your pastor, however high or low your quote denomination is, the alarm bells ought to be going off. This is not biblical at all. And um the Bible the Bible says those who would be the greatest would be the servant of all. When Jesus in Matthew 23, Gary, we're going to use this in the sermon this morning, when he warned those people about calling call no man father on earth for one is your father call no man rabbi on earth for one for god is the teacher so when he warned them about taking on these religious titles the next verse says for he who is great among you shall be your servant he was warning of this very exact thing that we see play out today before us
1: well that that's what brought to mind the fact that we've lost sight of the fact that we are servants not not rulers yes and that, and that's that's one of the things that I, I keep coming back to, is humility has to be the primary. And that's true, whether you're what God is looking for,
0: whether you're a preacher, an elder, whoever you are, that's true for you, like it is for everybody else, one way or the other. Now, uh, we can let's switch subjects here a little bit, but before we do that, Gary, let me run down the ways to get a hold of this show that we mentioned. If you want to call in, you can call in seven seven two. Three four zero fifteen ninety. call in we are just christians at seven seven two three four zero fifteen ninety. 340 1590 you can email us at just christians at dot uh if you want to listen to the show live and you are you know don't have a, a radio there you can listen on the internet all you've got to do is go to wpsl.com on your phone or computer wpsl.com and there's a, a listen live button so when we're on the air From uh, uh, 9 to 10 on Sunday mornings, you can listen to this show wherever you are in the world. Eastern time. That's Eastern time, yes, at at WPSL.com. And you can also listen uh, with apps on your phone at TuneIn Radio or all the Alexa devices. Just ask for WPSL.com or Google Chrome devices. You can listen to the show. So you can tell your friends and your family if you want them to listen. They can listen that way, whether they're in Port St. Lucie or not, and we'd love to have you do that and report back to us about that. We also have recordings of this show. There's a few that we have glitchy things happen, technical problems, but most all these are recorded at wearejustchristians.com. Wearejustchristians.com. You can you can uh, find this recording there, or just go to... to uh, itunes on the internet and look up we are just christians the radio show will be there you can sign up for a podcast or you can listen to individual episodes uh, uh one at a time there uh, for we are just christians so there's quite a few ways that you can listen to the show and we'd invite you to, to have your friends do that too so uh, in any event yeah ray, uh, ray at the station says all the technical issues are his fault well uh you're falling on your sword but uh, that isn't exactly true so uh, some of the some of the technical issues are happening in my brain <laughs> that's the word i don't know who can go in there and fix that but in any event we hope that you'll um spread the news of the show and uh, listen to it every time you can if you can't listen to it live be sure to go and get the podcast or other recordings and you can listen to the show uh, any time that you as i mentioned before someone told me they listen to it before they go to bed at night it's kind of like some people take somanex, some people listen to this show before they go to bed at night but anyway, Gary, uh, another interesting story. I don't, think, I don't think we talked about this one before. It's kind of a holiday story here. The headline is, A left-wing pastor gets backlash after claiming Christmas is a feminist holiday about a woman leading a revolution. Did I talk about that with you before? I don't
1: know yeah, No, that. I don't think so.
0: Yeah, so uh, uh, a liberal pastor's found herself in hot water. She claimed that, that Christmas is a holiday meant to celebrate the birth of Christ is really, really and actually a feminist holiday. Here's the quote, Christmas season is about God choosing a woman to lead a revolution of reorganizing the structures of societal power by her leadership. See, that's the Marxist theme of this. Christianity is about reorganizing the structures of societal power by, uh, and leadership by her tenderness and faith. And so one somebody texts back and says, so it's not about her son then, <laughs> <laughs> and she says well read Luke 1 it begins with a yes from Mary without her there would be no savior it begins with Mary and the Holy Spirit and so anyway she's basically trying to say that this uh, that Christmas is really about a woman exerting control over things and on and on and uh, she says Mary needs to say needed to say yes before Jesus could be born the Gospel of Luke tells us this. The vitriol provoked by this response, yes, it illustrates a perverse, pervasive lack of respect and opinions and bod- of the bodies of women. So here we get, even bring in abortion. It's a res- and, and we need to uh, unlearn broken patterns of thinking. So Christmas is really about Mary. Now, who 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 would want to diminish Mary? Now, I don't believe the Bible teaches that she is quote uh, the way the Catholic does, that the mother of God and it sits on God's right hand advising God and Jesus what to do and all of that kind of stuff.
1: So what would have happened if Mary said no?
0: Well well here here's what I think would have I don't think God would have chosen Mary had he realized she was going to say no, which well, he couldn't have I known was, that. I was
1: thinking he but would have found someone else because Job says I know whatever purpose of yours cannot be withheld from you, speaking yes. of God. So God would have done it somehow uh in another way. Uh he would have Effectively, I believe, found someone else, and yes. and so, you know, many of these things come about. It, it's
0: it's not a Marxist story of the liberation of women right. per se, and about societies structures of societal power and all that As a matter of fact, the, and the truth, all that truth of, of the kind of matter
1: stuff. is. It's a story about women fulfilling the role that God had for them. Exactly.
0: It's not. It's not demeaning to women. It's. It's not exalting men one way or the other. It's a story about God redeeming humanity. Now, now, John says we did this story last week. So there's one of my technical glitches. It got stuck back in my stack of stuff here, and so I, and my memory's poor. So in any event, apologize. But I just thought that this kind of take on, on now look, this show we don't have a great. Uh, Uh, affinity for religious holidays like Christmas because they're not found in the Bible. The birth of Jesus is, but Christmas is a holiday, isn't? But these kind of stories come up around this time of the year, so we talk about them. But in the event, um, you you need to uh, think about that when you hear these kind of things. I I just think that some people get attracted. They want to act like, how can I say this, Gary? They, They want to have the benefits of being thought of as a Christian and a religious person without actually believing in what the Bible says about Christ and his church, because those kind of truths are too painful to well, accept. That, that,
1: it keeps going back to exactly what we were talking about earlier. There's pride there. You want to be the center of attention. That's another aspect
0: of pride. Okay, well, I think we have a phone call, too, Gary. That, that's, that's exactly right. Are you there, Ken? Yeah, Mike. How you doing? What's on your mind?
2: Uh, I'm, I want to talk a little bit about the uh, scripture you read earlier about the woman not in adultery. Okay. Okay. Um, if you if you go John seven. Yes. Thirty seven and thirty eight. You there?
0: Yes. I'm sorry, Ken. I'm I'm trying to what? look it up here. Uh, which verse you said? John seven what? Thirty
2: seven and thirty
0: eight. Right. Okay. On the last day.
1: That great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, he who believes the scripture in me, said, as the scripture out of his heart, said, flow rivers of, of living water. Those are the verses. Yeah, uh,
2: yeah, yeah. The last day of the feast, there, that's the eighth day of the feast of Tabernacles.
0: Yes, the last, of the great feast is the Feast of Tabernacles or Sukkoth, right? Yeah. yeah.
2: Now, um, what, when Jesus was born, what did he do on the eighth day after he was born? Well,
0: they circumcised him, right? Right. That
2: was the eighth day. If he was born on the first day of the Feast of Tabernacles, he was circumcised on the eighth day. I'm just sorry to point that
0: out okay so uh, that you say this is a parallel of the... These- go to
2: jeremiah and read jeremiah seventeen thirteen
0: jeremiah seventeen thirteen yes yeah. Says, O Lord, the hope of Israel. All who forsake you shall be ashamed. Those who depart from me shall be written in the earth, because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living waters. So, yeah, you're comparing this to Jesus writing in the in the dirt.
2: Yes, yeah. just before they they brought the woman caught in adultery, he was talking about the rivers of living water. And he says, then he starts
0: to write on the ground. He accuses names. Right. Maybe we should read this text in John 8, Ken. Uh, it's in John 8, 3, beginning. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery, and they, when they had set her in the midst, shaming this woman, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded that, to us that, such should be stoned but what do you say and this they said testing him that they might have something which to accuse him but Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear now that's the place you're talking about so when they continued asking him he raised himself up and said to them he who is without sin among you let him throw a stone at her first and he stooped down again and wrote on the ground when those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in his midst. Standing in the midst. And when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now that's the account. So, what's your connection here with Jeremiah that you're po- trying to point out, Ken? I think we may have lost him.
1: I think we may have lost him.
0: Um, yeah. I think um, go ahead. What's, your, what's go, your go ahead. what's your, with what's your connection with uh, the story, the verse in Jeremiah in this event, in this case?
2: Well, I what Jesus wrote on the ground was their names.
0: Oh, you think he wrote their names because of what it says in Jeremiah? Uh, that the names of those who oppose you will be written on the ground? So he starts writing these men's names down on the ground? That's been a very speculated topic over the centuries, what did what did Jesus actually write? Uh, and so um, it doesn't specifically say that. Uh, and I, you're connecting up this... Pro- I never thought about that, connecting up this prophecy to that. But something... About what yeah, he was writing took- there must have had an impact on them, especially when he asked them, "Let him who is without sin cast the first stone." You know what I tell you something's never brought out about this story that su- kind of surprises me is that Jesus Jesus appealed to these people's conscience on some level. They seemed to be the kind of men that didn't have a strong conscience or any kind of sense of shame that they would drag this woman leave the man if she was caught if it's true and i've always i've always doubted that it was true maybe it is if she was actually caught in the very act there was obviously obviously a man there too they didn't seize him and take him to jesus with the woman both of them because the law required both both ones. of them to be brought out they only did what they wanted to do, and so they take this p- woman who would be less likely to defend herself, or maybe the man had some standing in their circles. I don't know. But that they take her, and bring, and then they shame her. They have no conscience, it seems like, to, to shame this woman this way. When they're not really concerned about her adultery, they're just using her to get back at Jesus. That's the shameful part of it. And so Jesus turns the table and makes an appeal to their conscience. Which of you has never done anything wrong? Now, people have taken this to mean, well, since we all sin, we shouldn't condemn anybody for sinning. Jesus specifically told her, go and sin no more. What she was doing was sinning. And his advice is, change what you're doing. Stop doing what you're doing. And I think she would agree. She agreed to that. I think that was the whole point that she was doing. So here's a case where... He could not condemn her because the law wouldn't allow them to condemn the one person without condemning both people. There was a procedure that was to be followed. They had broken that, and she was just being used. So Jesus just dismissed it and told her personally not to sin anymore. Well, there's, so.
1: there's another connection with Jeremiah that I'd like to point out. Jesus says he, he shall become the fountain of living waters and basically that's, that's a phrase included in the Jeremiah passages is that they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living waters. And what I would like to point out is, is what most people don't generally think of. What is that fountain of living waters? It's not emotion that he's talking about, I believe, here. What he's talking about is God's word when he's when you know god's word should be a fountain within you god's word should govern everything that you do it should come to mind each time you have a decision to make what is god's word i think that's what he means by the fountain of living waters i don't think he's talking about some emotion or some physical thing here and jesus uses the same phrase that appears in jeremiah here is, is he shall become a fountain of living water. We need to look to him and what he said and what he right. what he tells us to do. And, and there's a connection there between Jeremiah and what Jesus is saying here. The second thing I, I want to think about is remember that Jesus had the power on earth to forgive sin. Now, he doesn't explicitly say so here, but the mercy is obviously extended to her.
0: Well, he says, neither do I condemn you.
1: Neither do I condemn you. So we have to remember he had the power on earth to forgive sins. He did that with the thief on the cross, and he demonstrated that with the miracles he did. And and we need to remember that as we read some of these things, and bear in mind what what he's really telling us
0: here. He himself says the Son of Man has right. pa- has power on earth to forgive sins. Right. So and yet so it's an interesting connection I'd ever made. Jeremiah seventeen thirteen that those who forsake me. Uh, shall be written in well, if, the if earth. Well,
1: if you go into your, the electronic concordance and look up the phrase "living waters," it'll, it'll, it'll pop out both of these passages right. and some others that we probably need to know right. too.
0: that's right. Uh, anything else, Ken? We got a couple minutes left.
2: Yeah, uh, I want to know if Gary's reading my mind
0: here. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Gary's reading your mind. I don't know. <laughs> he's, a, he, he's a speed reader. What do uh, what no, yeah. you mean?
2: Earlier this, earlier this week, I was thinking of this verse, and, and and it occurred to me that this verse is evidence of justification by Jesus only, and that He said, you know, you know, you talk, you can talk about like the. Presbyterians that believe in justification by faith only. And you talk about the Baptists the only thing you need to be baptized, and that's it. But this verse contradicts that, these verses. Contradicts both.
0: Because it, ha- it has to the be done one to by abide, Jesus. The
2: only one who follow the commandments. Jesus said, "Do not sin no more.
0: Right. Stop. Do what God says. Well, Ken, our time is gone. We appreciate you calling in today very much. We appreciate all of you, other all the rest of you who have uh, listened to the show today and participated. Hope you'll tune in again next week to We Are Just Christians. We'd like to invite you to take a look at our website, which is wearejustchristians.com. Wearejustchristians.com. And come and visit us. We meet at 2196 Southwest Savona Boulevard, the corner of California and Savona on the southwest side behind the milk and things. And we would invite you to our services at 10, 11, and 7.30 on Wednesday nights. Thank you so much, and may God bless you.
2: You've been listening to We Are Just Christians from Savona Church in Port St. Lucie. On WPSL, Port St. Lucie. It's 10 o'clock time for CBS News. This is CBS News on the Hour, your home for a